This is Mission.org. If you had a magic wand and you had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to tell the world about why digital memorials are great, you could absolutely do that. And you can create some absolutely fantastic content and really engaging type things to hit people around this idea of memorializing a loved one that you've lost and making sure those memories live on forever and you get to pass them down to future generations. That as a concept, people love and they agree with it, but then getting them to take action is the hard part around category creation. Honoring loved ones who have passed away is one of humanity's longest held traditions. But how has living in a digital world changed the way we even memorialize each other? I'm Jeremy Bergeron. Our guest today is Lachlan Davidson, the head of digital and marketing for Memories Group Limited, an innovator in the digital legacy space. With marketing experience ranging from large institutions like the National Bank of Australia to smaller ventures like the Memories Group, Lachlan offers a very unique perspective on growing new categories as a marketer. Tune in to hear how technological innovation is really opening the door to entirely new possibilities in the way we memorialize our loved ones. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. I know that you're a founding member of the CMO Club in Australia, but what's the experience been like for you to be a part of this group of, of marketing leaders? I've interviewed a handful of them. Mm. They're all really amazing. Yeah. Look, I think first and foremost, marketers as a profession haven't been as well-banded. It's, it's a new profession relative to some of the other ones. and haven't, Marketers haven't been as well-banded together in terms of being supportive of each other, sharing lessons, um, making sure that everyone's keeping up with best practice. So for me, what I've found is just the ability to be connected with marketers that are beyond my my network that I have is an incredible opportunity to try and learn from others. And um, you know that you don't have all the answers and, and you never will. But if you can contribute something in there and, and you can get something back from other kind of marketing leaders in terms of um, small questions around kind of, you know, how to solve a problem or how to structure a team into kind of big things, like, you know, some of the big philosophical things about how to go to market around particular, you know, products or services or customer groups, it's... um. It's great to have a, a group of individuals that you can connect with and rely on. And, and the other point around it is it's it's actually just really lovely to connect with those people socially. Often you get some really interesting people who fall into marketing roles and 
invariably they've had, you know, varied experience across you know, and a whole number of different industries. And it's um, the conversations that come from it are absolutely fascinating. That's amazing. Well, I want to join the group right now based on that experience, that, that share. That's amazing. Um, I, had a, I have a sneaky suspicion. There's, there's, there's a group of amazing folks there. I mean, like I said, we've interviewed only a couple uh, from the club and I'm, I'm seeing this, this common theme that they are brilliant marketing leaders and they connect with each other. And it's, it, it is to your point, like a, the evolution of the role and like, what happens when you reach across industry mm. and connect with someone else that's yeah with sharing their perspective. And so I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, cool. So let's start at the top and just some context for our audience out there, you know, you know, describe what is the memories group limited about, you know, to describe this, this interesting brand that you're a part of, and then your role as head of digital marketing there. Yeah, absolutely. So look, Memories Group invests in businesses that create new offerings in the digital legacy and the personal reflection space. So there's two main brands. So Memories, the, the brands include uh, Memories, which the, um, the group started with, which is the app and website that helps you honor life um, and its legacies. And we can talk a bit more about that. Um, and then Future Me, which is a really different brand that lets you reflect and grow by writing letters and sending them to the future and, and waiting for them to come back to you and having that amazing moment of kind of catharsis around um, capturing your thoughts today and then forgetting about them until they come back and, and delight you at some stage in the future. Um, so our brands have attracted a combined kind of membership of over 8 million people now worldwide. And we've been engaged in partnerships with lots of marketing leading businesses, including JPI Media, which owns 170 mastheads in the UK, um, including the Scotsman, which is established back in 1817, the Yorkshire Post, um, Australia's nine mastheads and Australian community media. So one of the things that we help um, those organizations do is make sure that they have a modern digital solution to obituaries. So connecting to the memories digital memorial product, making sure that we can offer um, a great experience for, for their customers and, and introducing the concept of, of what an online memorial is. Our team at Memories Group is, is really growing. So we're, we're creating a culture, hopefully, that's really innovative and fun and inclusive. And, and um, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to try and foster lots of individual growth and learning within the team. And, and certainly I've experienced that as well. And it's all, I guess, around our shared purpose, which is keeping memories alive. So there truly is a, a purpose behind kind of the work that we do here. You feel like you can make a real difference to people's lives, um, including your own. Um, and so it's a fascinating environment to, to be in when you're spending time talking about kind of how people remember loved ones and how they go through um, the death, the, the loss of a loved one and, and death of a loved one and um, go through that grieving process and and the role that a digital memorial can play for, for people who are localized, but also people who are distributed around the world. Wow. Now you have a, you know, this really interesting background where you've come from, you know, a pretty large institution there. You spent some time in marketing and leadership at um, National Australia Bank, U-Bank, which is, I guess, part of NAB, right? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. So so you had this really interesting experience in digital and marketing spaces. And I, I want to know about your journey into marketing, like how that began for you. And then I also want to get into, let's get, how did you get to this category that you're in now and having to essentially grow a category that you didn't really have a ton of exposure to? I want to hear that journey, the journey into marketing and how that led you into yeah, growing this category. Sure. Well, look, I think... Um Marketers, I find, um, often will have a non-linear path into into marketing. They'll be um, practicing, you know, doing something else, or practicing something else, or studying something else, and and they'll find that they've got this innate curiosity for understanding how people work. Um, and then 
an innate curiosity for trying to kind of understand behavior and then change behavior. And I think that's the core of, of any good marketer is that you have to get really excited every day about getting out of bed and deeply understanding how people think and then really wanting to try and understand, well, how can I change that in, in the most positive way? So my life was, was oh, well, my, my story is um, the exact archetype of that. I actually started life as a lawyer, so don't, don't judge me on that one. Um, but I realized that, that practice was, was really so much different to kind of what I, what I really enjoyed studying. So very early on, I, I had what I call my kind of first career crisis as soon as I started work out of university. And what I knew was that I really enjoyed interpreting lots of different types of information and then distilling it into a strategy. That's kind of what, what you did you know, as, as, as a lawyer. But in the fundamentals of marketing, are, I think, are really a bit the same. So it is about understanding your audience, understanding your competitors, really closely defining the problem that you're solving, and then building the facts for why your narrative or your pitch to that customer is really compelling. And then you've got to sell it. So you have to use all the tactics that modern day marketers have at hand. And if you think about the analogy back to the way that some parts of the legal fraternity work, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar. So I spent some time kind of, you know, thinking about, okay, well, if, if it's not this, then what is it? And what are the skills that I've got? And how can I exercise some of those? And um, I actually went into a, a broad-based corporate graduate program. And I spent time in operations and distribution and marketing type roles in a, in a financial services type company in, um, in Australia. And um, th- that was really fascinating. My, my time that I spent in marketing there and, and working with the marketing team, kind of helping build out what would be the strategy for the, for the year ahead and then getting into executing that was um, really piqued my interest. Um, and, and that was it. I was hooked. I was, I was into marketing. So um, it, was, it was a bit of lucky happenstance in a way, seeking broad experience and then, and then ending up and, and in that space and finding that um, some of the skill sets that I had from kind of time studying and then starting to practice law were really transferable um, into being a marketer, which is not immediately intuitive, but certainly worked in, in my case. And so that, that was it. I was a marketer. I was in financial services. And so I spent time um, growing through a couple of different organizations there. So um, in general insurance um, and in, in health insurance um, and then into banking. And I spent you know quite a number of years um, at National Australia Bank, as you said, in, in, um, in the banking space and, and thinking about kind of different customers and different challenges that, that exist there. Um, for some people you know, and some marketers, that's their worst nightmare, right? You're, you're working on products that are not quite grudge products, like, like people, people don't hate them, but if you didn't have to have health insurance, if you didn't have to have, you know, a, a loan to buy a house, then you probably wouldn't, right? So um, I, find, I find that incredibly uh, invigorating as a challenge as a marketer, where you, where you kind of go, well, how do you get someone to choose when they don't actually love <laughs> what you do? They love the outcome of what they get from your product, but they don't love you and they don't love your product itself. And so um, I think that that is an incredibly... Um, interesting challenge for any marketer to, to go into you know a, a brand that that doesn't have necessarily that that brand love and that any small kind of mistake in the service proposition makes it really hard for the marketers to try and recover that um, and and obviously for the rest of the organization as well my time kind of at, at National Australia Bank spanned a, a number of different roles so lots of executional type ones around trying to drive acquisition of new customers and engaging existing ones making sure they're getting the most out of their banking experience. Um, some leadership stretch and capability in, in a couple of different places and then getting into kind of, you know, sweating marketing technology and getting the most out of marketing technology. I think one of the things that I love about marketing and financial services is, is obviously the volume of kind of customer behavior data that you have that you can utilize to create better experiences. And um, if you are motivated at all by trying to make sense of all of that and bring it all together and get it together in kind of what are big and complex organizations, you can, you can make a really big difference. And so I was lucky enough to work on a, on a number of projects that I, that I felt um, changed the way that 
some customers thought about their relationship, you know, with the bank for, for the positive. So that, that was all going kind of really well, really loved it. And then got to this point where I went, okay, so I've been in banking now for, for seven years and I'm a marketer in a bank. And like, do, do I want to be, is, is, is this it? Is banking me? Like, am I going to keep going in banks? Do I go and work in, you know, more product roles or distribution roles? Or um, it's an enormous industry. There's, there's so much um, that you can do in, in that space. Or do I double down? Is it is it is it marketing? Do I stay do I stay you know in the marketing space and do I try and get some diversity of experience and diversity of category? And that's certainly what I chose to chose to do. I think the final parts of my time at um, at National Australia Bank, you just mentioned, I worked on Ubank. So Ubank is NAB's kind of digitally led subsidiary, um, which is a bit of a misnomer these days. Um, all banks are, are pretty digitally led, but you know, 12, 13 years ago when Ubank was founded, it was pretty innovative in the Australian market, and I think. Um, that kind of piqued my interest around kind of um, digitally led products and 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 getting much more into the software space. And I started looking around for what types of customer focused technology businesses existed in Australia, and and thinking about kind of well, how do you go beyond the Australian context into the global context and potentially work for an organisation that has global reach and scale, um, and but but kind of puts that all together with a with a great digital experience. And that's kind of what landed me at, at Memories Group, which is a pretty unique proposition as we were we're talking about before in terms of trying to create a category around um, memorializing loved ones in in a digital way. Um, and so to talk about that for a second, um, category creation, wow, that's been the big, the big, big um, challenge and the big, big learning for me in going into this role. Kind of when you're working in banking or working in health insurance, the need is defined. So right, right. people know um, that they really want, um, they, they really want to buy that house. And so they go, well, how am I going to buy it if I don't have all the cash and I might need to get a loan? You know, I, I really want to save, you know, save some money and I can get a good savings rate out of a bank or um, I really want to make sure I've got the right health insurance to look after my health or my family's health. The needs defined, and so what you're selling is is basically on kind of competitive propositions around you know why should someone choose because the triggers to buy are already there, um, the need to buy is already there. Um, you're not trying to convince people that this is the thing that they should like. Um, so a phrase that I often use um, with our team internally here is kind of guys, we've got to take a step back. Like we're not selling another brand of cola next to the other brand of cola sitting in the fridge in your local convenience store, like that we don't have someone coming in who knows that they want a cola and we're just trying to get them to choose. We actually have to explain to them what is a cola and why do you like it and what does it taste like and what are the benefits when you actually drink it and how much does it cost and why is that good value? And so the the challenge from a marketing perspective is um is far greater. You're not tapping into a pool and trying to win your fair share. You're you're trying to create that pool of of interested individuals. And so um how you do that is is really fascinating. If you had a magic wand and you had, you know, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to tell the world about why digital memorials are great, um, you could absolutely do that. And you can create some absolutely fantastic, you know, content and um, really engaging type things to, to hit people around this idea of memorializing a loved one that you've lost and making sure those memories live on forever and you get to pass them down to kind of future generations. And so, um, that as a concept, people love and they agree with it, but then getting them to take action is the hard part around category creation. So often, often people will go, yeah, cool idea. I love that. I should definitely do that. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it maybe tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll do it next week. I didn't do it. <laughs> so finding those trigger points, finding the ways um, that you can um, inject yourself into kind of moments of emotion that really matter is, has been part of the learning journey for us in terms of category creation. I think 
part of that for, for Memories Group has been one of the pivots we've made is we were, we still are absolutely a, a, um, a B2C type business where we present kind of the, the digital proposition to people globally. And we have, you know, over 500,000 people who've created memorials for loved ones so far, which is amazing. That's huge. Yeah, it's 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 enormous. 195 countries. You think about all the different kind of customs wow. of death that exist. Like it, it's wow. you know it's 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 a thing. It's becoming a thing. Um, digital memorialization. So, I think the most challenging part, as I said, is is getting people to take action and connecting it to kind of emotive moments. And and that's that's true for lots of different kind of kind of categories. And certainly so in this space. And so one of the things that we're trying to do around category creation is just create exposure around attaching ourselves to existing behaviors. And I think that that's the biggest marketing lesson that I've learned in, in category creation is um, it's really, really hard to get people to do something new. It's much easier to kind of hitch your wagon to something that they're already doing mm. and then go, hey, I'm here. Think about this. Um, and for us, that's really about the moment of, of funerals and around the moment of um, making sure that you're relevant in that space, um, making sure that you're providing additional value in that space, because ultimately a digital memorial lives on well past um, or forever, right. kind of past the moment right. of, of the funeral. But why is it important to do it then? That's our trigger point, and that's why we that's why we really need to activate around around that point, and that's why working with kind of reseller partners is is important for us to help us position the product. So it's a um it's it's a fascinating journey trying to get through. Um, deeply understanding different customs and traditions around death, understanding behaviors, like, like what behaviors do we attach ourselves to? And then how do you, how do you package your proposition in a really pithy way where people get it? And they go, oh yeah, that is one of the things I need to do when I've got a whole lot of stuff that's on the top of my list. Number one is looking after myself and looking after my family going through a grieving process. Um, it's tough. Wow. I just want to say that was, that was incredible. The whole, I'm love sitting here. I know our producers are probably doing the same thing. I mean, just this, your story into the, the context. I mean, it was just, you, you you laid it out so wonderfully and that was so interesting all the way until, you know, you talk about this category, which I want to ask you about a little bit more. Um, but just, that was that was exceptional, Lachlan. Thank you for that. Great context and just, that was fantastic. Um, so one question is, okay, coming from NAB, have, you know, a big organization, a lot of resources, a lot of support, mm -hmm. you know, there's probably this element of speed and velocity that you're moving at an organization like that. Now you're in this new category. What was kind of that balance for you of just, you know, you're stepping into a whole new world and you also likely don't have the same yeah level of supported resources because it's a smaller, mm -hmm. leaner thing. Is there tension for you around like, oh man, we're just, we can't get there fast enough. Or do you feel like there was more than enough on your plate to, you know, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I think, I think back to kind of, you know, when I was um, trying to build out a couple of marketing teams at, at National Australia Bank and, and hiring for new roles. And one of the things that I would really try and test when hiring for, for new people is their willingness and excitement about trying to get the job done as well as doing the job. So your job as a marketer, sure, create demand, you know, drive sales, um, drive engagement, drive retention, or, you know, make sure you're building a fantastic brand. All of those things, tick, tick, tick. You can get people with, you know, great marketing skill sets. They have to also be motivated in a big organization that is customer-led, sales-led, finance-led, not necessarily marketing-led in terms of kind of banking and financial services traditionally. You have to be really excited about working out how to get that job done. And that means working really well with others. So, you know, 33,000 employees or so at, at NAB, 
um, you got to tell people that you've never met before what you're doing and why you should do it and why they should support you in doing it and why that's going to create a great outcome for your customers and a great outcome for um, your colleagues and also a great outcome for shareholders. And so that's what I mean about being just as passionate and enthusiastic about getting the job done as doing the actual job. That's the big difference walking into you know a, a smaller place. So I joined Memory uh, Memories with about 24 employees or so. Mm. And um, I, I mean, I, I kind of knew what I was walking into. I was like, great, I'm going to be able to see everyone. I'm going to know all their names and their faces. This is going to be fantastic. The big kind of challenge in in kind of changing that and, and going through that transition is you're, you're right. It's it's the classic things around going, well, there's not a whole team that does kind of marketing analytics now. There's either no one or there's one person or you try and kind of wear multiple hats at the same time. It's the classic startup experience where you have to re- be really agile in the way that you think about, right, today, my job is to wear five hats. One of them is going to be around marketing analytics. One of them is going to be thinking about planning for the year ahead. One of them is going to be thinking about how do I solve this particular executional kind of problem we've got today. And getting into the mindset of being able to kind of context switch really, really quickly Mm. and then also not fall into the trap of going, I'm really busy and I'm doing lots of stuff, therefore I'm valuable. Um, Being able to, at the end of the day or the start of the day in particular, have this rhythm of kind of going back up and going, well, where am I adding value? Am I adding value in the right spots or am I just kind of being really busy doing good things and people like what I'm doing? There's a difference, I think, because you can you can chase your tail in a a startup for sure when you you have to be kind of so broad and... um, dexterous in the way that you kind of change between between jobs and roles. And I, I think it's absolutely fantastic for any marketer to try and seek out experiences with really different scales of organizations. Mm-hmm. You'll find out what you love. You'll find out where your sweet spot is. Um, you'll find kind of the, the, you know, the pros and cons of, of each of them. Um, but it makes you a better marketer. Being really resourceful in kind of a, a startup scale up um, is Absolutely something that I think that everyone everyone should do. It gives you a really innate understanding of kind of the whole mechanics of, of the shooting break and how you get things done. Sure. Um, and I think working in, in, in a big marketing team is fascinating as well because you get to work with some absolute specialists in their fields. So I talked about kind of, you know, data science experts. I think about kind of the banking context and some of the amazing brains and people that we got, you know, that I got to work with um, who would, you know, put together things that I couldn't even conceptualize, um, even if they tried to teach me it for two weeks. Um, I would <laughs> kind of go, that is amazing. I love the outputs. Right. The inputs seem great. Um, the, the, the big black box in the middle, um, I'm glad that's you guys, not me. Exactly. Um, you, <laughs> you get to work with some some pretty incredible people who are, who are real specialists um, rather than generalists. And I think, as I said before, I think for any marketer, the opportunity to work across both will make you um, much better and, and allow you to create much more value as you go through your career. Hmm. So, talking about the site, this, the category, you know, creating a new category and like, what are you, what are you learning about the segments within the category? Cause you have, you, you have these different generations that all have to deal, you know, with death, Gen Y and Z and baby boomers, right. And all these things. So yeah. How are you narrowing down down the path of personalization with all of these segments within this new category? Or do you look at kind of data, okay, who, you know, what generation is, is most, you know, is actually dying more right now and mm. who's supporting them? Like mm. to me, you can get really into those, you know, the details there and what's been the approach. Yeah. 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 I think um, the approach is we've, we've tried, tried kind of two different ways and, and kind of balance, get a good balance between them. The Absolutely. We have um, tested and, and have some really good hypotheses around, you know, who, who's this, who is this kind of digital memorialization product for? There is still 
you know, big generalizations, but there is still a generation of, of kind of older um, people around the world who are not digital natives. And so the idea of going, oh, what do you mean? I've got to get, you know, photos and videos and memories from people and put them all into this place. And then what is that place? And how would I do that? And how do I invite Jeremy to do that? I don't understand. And so having the mindset of, of kind of user experience design being designing for that, that person versus designing for kind of the masses is, is a really nice principle to have. Because it means that if you can get someone who's not a digital native to get it and be able to do it, everyone else will be able to do it with their eyes closed, right? Like you know, my son can navigate an iPad and he's a toddler. So if he can do it, then, you know, there's there's people who are, you know, are much older and less digitally native who, who can do it as well. So whilst you kind of think about that generation and kind of the tech barrier that exists, then it kind of makes you think about the the kind of generations below. And you go, well, who are, who are the family and friends of that, that generation? Who's going to be creating this memorial for them? Is it sons and daughters? Is it brothers and sisters? And so we've done lots of testing to try and work out who the right person is. And, and absolutely, we narrow down to say that it is those who are um, not the closest to the loved one, but still close who really care about making a difference. And the reason that we found that that, that matters is that people are looking to um, help or do something when someone passes away. They want to find a way to ease their own grief and ease the grief of those around them. And, and this is one of the ways that people can can do that. So if you're really, really close, like you're the, you're the partner of someone who has, has passed away, you've got a lot on your mind. You've got to think about, well, am I going to have a funeral? And what does that look like? And what were their last wishes? And you know, what's happening around kind of wills and probate and how do I manage their assets? And there's lots and lots and lots of administrative type things that you're trying to do in a moment that's one of the worst moments in in your life. So your brain is full. And so having a brand knock on the door and be like, hey, you should do this thing. It's really, really good. That's where you get the whole, I completely agree. It's really, really good. I'm busy. Like I've right. got, I got stuff on right now. Yep. And so that's why our proposition resonates really well with someone who's going, Hey, I'm, I'm grieving too. I'm really close. Cause I, you know, I'm the cousin of the person who died or I'm the kind of, you know, the, the son or daughter, who's not the son or daughter, who's organizing the funeral. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, the, the youngest brother or, the, you know, whatever it is, they're looking for a way to be helpful. Um, they're looking for a way to make sure that they honor the, the their loved one who passed away and memories really gives them an opportunity to do that. So thinking about kind of how you break down um, the different audiences that exist around, around this product, absolutely. From a targeting and an action perspective, it needs to be that kind of, you know, second ring around, around that person who's passed away. But when you're building a category, ultimately you have to be thought of in a buying situation. That's, that's what you're aiming for as, as a marketer. You, you want to be there, you want to be known, and you want to have those trigger points that go, hey, I remember memories, I should do that thing. Um, I should, should start up a memorial for that loved one who, who I lost. Or they haven't heard of you and, you and you insert yourself into kind of the process somewhere to make sure that you are thought of in, in kind of that, that moment. And so in doing that, it becomes a broad-based proposition again. And so that's where when you, you know, if you think about attaching yourself to those trigger moments around a funeral and you have a, you know, a, a, um, a digital memorial that might have kind of a guest book, a digital guest book component, all of the people who go to that funeral and who are able to sign kind of a digital guest book get exposure to your brand. And so in terms of category building, it goes well beyond advertising and much more into kind of how do you get your, your product into as many into the hands of as many people as possible, even if they're not going to be your customer today. And so that is a big, big goal for us is how do we get as many people as possible exposed to the product so that they kind of have that memory association, pardon the pun, around um, what oh, I've seen that memory thing. That was fantastic. You know, Bob passed away, you know, three years ago and they created that memorial. That's right. I should definitely do that. And so when they fall into that buying situation, you already kind of have that kind of memory structure. They can remember kind of the value that you created around that family. So um, 
as I said, category creation, you can you can go massive with advertising. It's a really expensive way to spend a lot of money really quickly. And, but the much better way is actually to get your, your product in the hands of as many people as you possibly can. And with a digital product, that's that's much easier, obviously, than, than phys, uh, physical products. So hence the, the success of, of lots of software products on, on the internet. What channels have been working really well for you? So thinking about the channels that are really successful for us, there's a mix of kind of the B2C type um, traditional um, advertising channels that you might use. So search has been really successful for us in finding people who are searching for things adjacent to memori- digital memorials. So they might be searching for ways to make the funeral service better. So they might be you know, searching for um, ideas for eulogies, ideas for kind of um, funeral slideshows, et cetera, et cetera. And we position our products around that to say, hey, absolutely, you need to solve that. And here's some ways to solve that. Have you thought about a digital memorial? And have you thought about the benefits of a digital memorial? And so introducing our products next to those existing things that people are looking for is, is really, really important and, and works well for us. Um, the second thing that has has really worked well is actually getting out and partnering. So it's actually B2B to C type approach, which is going to um, people who exist and, and serve existing needs around those who are losing loved ones. So you can think about kind of funeral directors and funeral homes, um, people doing kind of pre-planned um, or prepaid type um, funerals, people who are doing um, uh, cemeteries and crematorium type um, type businesses as well. They are all dealing with the people that we want to work with every day. And so one of the shortcuts for us is to partner with those organizations, help them provide a better service to their customers through having a di- digital memorial. And the benefit to us is actually accessing the people who are kind of, you know, going through the process of organizing a funeral kind of every day, week, you know, month in the year. Hmm. What are some of the trends that you're paying attention to just in, in the space you're in or just more broad, broadly speaking around marketing? Are there any trends that you're noticing, paying attention to, utilizing in your own work? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ones that we're watching with interest is um, the idea of how people interact with each other digitally. So there's lots of conversations at the moment about kind of the metaverse and, you know, some people roll their eyes when they hear about that. They're like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a solution looking for a problem. Like there's, there's and, and you can take a whole bunch of different um, approaches or angles to thinking about that. I think it's really relevant when you think about kind of losing a loved one and kind of perpetuating the memories that exist around um, that person. So if you think about, um, the intersection of kind of augmented or, or virtual reality, the idea that, you know, when someone passes away, one of the, the awful things that happens is that over generations, people forget about them. And there's just photos that exist in the photo album and people kind of can see what they look like, but no one really knows who that person was. So one of the the things that's really important in, in a number of different cultures is to kind of perpetuate or, or kind of pay respect to the people who have passed before you. Um, and keeping their memory alive and being able to kind of hand that down to kind of, you know, grandchildren of grandchildren and say, hey, do you know your great, great grandmother, you know, did this and this and this? What an amazing woman. Like, how fascinating is that? And people are enthralled with kind of their lineage and enthralled with um, who are they and why am I here and why did I get here? And, and seeking meaning and seeking connection in kind of who they are and their context today and, and the family that's gone before them often is isn't really interesting conversation to have around that. So for us being able to find new technologies that help bring that to life in an even better way. So let's think beyond photos and videos. Um, and let's think into kind of well, how do you kind of have, you know, future messages that happen. That's one of the product features in our platform at the moment is the ability to, um, for someone who might know that in the future, they might not make it to their, you know, son or daughter's 21st birthday or, or whatever the scenario might be, they can record messages of themselves and, and leave them for those amazing occasions, which is an awfully sad use case, but what a great solution for that person who feels like that they can be part of 
someone's life, you know, after they've gone. And so any technology that exists around that, that helps people get into the, the, the headspace of connecting with those they've lost and helps them through a grieving process is, is really, really interesting to us. So we're certainly keeping a, a really close eye on, on how that um, plays out across, across a number of different industries. The other thing that's that's a challenge for kind of any marketer at the moment who's who's spending money in in kind of you know all the digital spaces is, is just around privacy. So one of the things that Memories Group prides itself on is absolutely our approach to to privacy. This there is not there's there's sensitive data and then there's sensitive data and and your memories of of you know your your mum or dad or uncle or whoever it is are incredibly personal. In the other product that we haven't actually spoken about, which is you know, Future Me, is this is people writing letters to themselves or others in the future and receiving them back at, at a kind of a future date. Again, some of those are lighthearted and whimsical and beautiful. Some of them are really, really deeply personal, um, not necessarily positive. There's not much. Your innermost thoughts are probably kind of the, the most important thing that you could protect from a data and privacy perspective. So when I, as a marketer, when I think about kind of making promises around kind of data and privacy, you have to be able to able to live up to that. And you have to think about the way that you're addressing kind of your advertising, the way that you're using your customer data to try and attract new customers um, and taking a really strong ethics-based approach to the, the way we do that. So certainly keeping an eye on the way that um, both the practice of utilization of data and marketing and then the ethical considerations that go with that play out together is is really important for me at the moment. Over 500,000 users, 195 countries. Are there being any surprising kind of insights gathered from, you know, people that are, you know, using this platform already? That's there's so much, like you said, people handle death differently in different cultures. And mm. then there's a, the digitization of that, of this industry that you're serving in this category. Are there any surprising insights gathered from, you know, other cultures or countries around the world? Yeah, absolutely. I think a couple of things that that spring to mind immediately. So one of the things that um, is a fantastic lesson that, you know, anyone in marketing needs to remind themselves of every single morning when they wake up is that you are not the customer. So it's really easy to fall into the trap of kind of going, oh yeah, this is how people should use our products because this is the way that I think about it. Yep. Um, and when you see people in other countries and with different cultural um, kind of um, you know, behaviors and practices using the product, you're like, whoa, I never thought about them using it that way. I never thought about them kind of, you know, being able to put things together. One of the the things that that we spoke about um, internally kind of a few weeks ago was one of the traditions that exists in Japan around honoring loved ones. And part of that tradition is really around someone being able to kind of look after that person after they've gone. So, you know, that's, you know, make offerings and making sure that they are, um, that person's being looked after after they've gone. And that's really, really important in the Japanese culture to make sure that you are looked after after you've gone. It doesn't necessarily have to be your family. It usually is, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And so one of the big challenges that's happening in Japan at the moment is that, you know, with lower birth rates, et cetera, et cetera, they're kind of going, well, who's looking after me? Like, if I don't have children, like what's happening? Like, do I just, you know, have a tombstone on a grave on the side of a hill and does it disappear into the ether at some point? Like, what actually happens. Um, it's been fascinating for us to kind of get into, you know, those different cultural nuances and say, well, what's the role that our product plays within there? Because, you know, we can't have the assumption, you know, the way it works in the US and the UK and Australia, which is, hey, you have a funeral service and there might be a celebration of life or a wake or something that, that you know, occurs then. And then you have this beautiful digital memorial that people can share with each other um, or keep to themselves. Uh, that, that kind of lives on and on. It's it's a different way of of kind of thinking about the product. And so every day I'm surprised by a new cultural nuance um, and have to rethink kind of, okay, well, what does that mean in the context of how we position our product? 
We still believe in the core value proposition. I don't think that really, really changes, but it's about how that's presented as valuable to kind of the, the end customer. Uh, the next thing that I think's really sort of been been super surprising in in the way that we've kind of taken um, taken this product to market is how people interact with a digital memorial. And so we get some memorials that have, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kind of memories put in there, people leaving comments, people putting, you know, videos, people sharing, an amazing outpouring of grief, right? And and you'd think, well, surely, you know, like aren't all memorials like that? And the answer is no, because people really want to treat them differently. There's lots of memorials where there is a single person who has set it up. There's a single person who's, you know, put something in there and, and that's it. It's theirs. No one else sees it. They haven't shared it with anyone else. And it's a personal um, thing that they have with with um, with the person that they have lost, and so when we, when as a marketer, I think about sure we're trying to attract these people in, and then how do I drive engagement? How do I make sure that they're getting the most value out of this product that they've purchased as possible? And and how do I make sure I prompt them to say, hey, you know, you could add another memory at this point. You could you know invite contributors because a memorial is much more rich. You've really got to think about um, ultimately how you break down kind of the, the homogeneity of a group of, of people globally who might want to memorialize a loved one and split that into kind of different behavioral nuances and then trade that off against kind of, you know, how we think we're providing great service to customers and what those benchmarks should look like. Wow. The learnings and lessons in creating a category like this and, and also like you're at this really interesting intersection of where technology is meeting this you know, life event essentially. So you get mm. to be, you know, a part of the wave that it, it's in, we're inevitably heading this way. And so I think memories timed it quite well, if you ask me, because you, this is where we're going, you know, and I could see AR and VR to your point being another experience that may, maybe memories mm. is going to be at that table as well, where, you know, I can hook up to a, a, some gear or some kind of a wearable, and then I can like sit in front of my loved one, right? While they share story. Like, I mean, all that's coming. Exactly. It, it, it really is. There's some fascinating technology um, that exists even around um, not even real memories, around constructed experiences with people who um, who aren't there. And, and that technology exists today where, you know, you can um, put on the VR headset and be there and um, some machine learning is sat behind kind of, you know, and crunched a whole, a whole bunch of data around a person and how they would react in conversation. And you can almost get kind of conversational AI going wow. on. And, you know, that's 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 a bit freaky where, where you know, thinking carefully about, you know, is how is that relevant? Is it relevant around that loved one? Like what do people actually want? Um, again, it gets to that whole thing around, you have to be forward thinking in the way that you're kind of, um, that consumers might want to use your product, but at the same time, not getting distracted by um, the bright and shiny. And as I said before, not, not, not you know, finding, finding solutions that are looking for problems. Hmm. Take us inside of, you know, the last time you had kind of one of these like these moments of, you know, was it a campaign, a strategy you saw, just a win, a recent win that, you know, maybe no one was with you, but you you kind of, you pulled the, you know, the, yes, we got this, right? Like, take us inside a recent win. I think the the one that that we shared as, as an organization was coming to the realization that we needed to kind of have two target audiences for our, our business. So as, as I said, um, memory started as a, as a B2C software type product and, and continues to exist in that sense. But then going through those lessons and kind of the pains of kind of category creation and how do you do that? The big, the big kind of yes moment happened when um, we, we decided, okay, great. Well, we need to attach ourselves to those existing behaviors that, that um, happen around someone losing a loved one. 
what's the best way to do that? Let's find organizations that do that. And there was a massive yes moment where it all just clicked and we went, that's going to make sense. And then we signed our first really big kind of partnership to be able to offer that. And, and we signed a partnership with a group called InvoCare in Australia, who's on the Australian Stock Exchange and one of the largest funeral services providers in, in Australia, New Zealand um, and Southeast Asia. And the ability to partner with an organization like that, that has such incredible reach and history across you know, numerous um, funeral brands. Um, and then the reimagining of kind of what our experience was, no, no, no longer where as a team, as a, you know, a digital product team and a marketing team, we're building for just for the end consumer. We're also building kind of a B2B proposition. So how do we sell it into B2B? And then how does that translate through into B2C? So that was a, an absolute yes. I think we found you know, another way to continue to grow, grow this category and position memories as the market leader in that space. Mm, I love it. Great, great example. Um, okay, you ready to have some, uh, some fun lightning round questions? Let's do it. We have Lachlan Davidson, Head of Marketing and Growth at Memories Group Limited in Australia. Before I ask you the first question, I have to give a special shout out to Salesforce. Salesforce sponsors marketing trends. So for marketers and marketing leaders out there, when you think about marketing and engagement, head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. Now, lightning round questions. Lachlan, are you ready? I'm ready to go. Okay, now these are lightning round questions, so try to be as like quick answer from the heart, answer from the gut, you know, and, and, and do your best. Okay, first question, what was the last time you tried something new? What was the last thing you tried that was new? Oh, for me, um, I'm, I'm all about uh, new experiences. And so last time I tried something new was actually an opportunity with a mate to go skydiving, something that was on my bucket list for ages um, and kind of got a little bit hooked. And so I'm just looking for new ways to get, to get out there and get up there again. I didn't think that I'd love it as much as I did. Okay, cool. What is one life lesson that you learned the hard way? <sighs> this one, I know what it is. And I always take a deep breath before I say it, because I need to remind myself of it all the time, which is that you can't do it all yourself. <laughs> as, as much as I take, you know, like a, my, one of my personal drivers is, being able to execute well and please others, whether that be at home, whether that be at work, um, it doesn't really doesn't really matter. But being able to say, "Hey, I need help. Um, hey, someone else can do this better than me." Yeah, I, I, I learn that lesson every day. <laughs> There's so much wisdom in that. Yeah, you, so you, I love that. I love that answer. Um, what's What's one activity that makes you lose track of time? Uh, running, running, running's a big thing for me. I can. Um, you know, strap the shoes on and, and go for a run. And then my brain just wanders and I get back and I can't tell you what I thought about, but I feel much better. Um, okay. So going for a beautiful long run, getting out there in nature, I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's, you know, 35 degrees um, centigrade for all you playing, you know, in the US. <laughs> um, we, you go, hey, that's cold. Right. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Do you go music while you run or, or no, no sound while you run? No, absolutely, absolutely no sound. Absolutely okay. no sound. I find that's a real okay. distraction from okay. um, from just letting my thoughts. For me, for me, running is is a physical thing, but it's also a, a mental health thing. Like letting my brain have the time to relax and just go places that it wants to go. Sometimes I'll think about you know um, something really you know profound. Something sometimes I'll be thinking about you know what I'm going to have for dinner. But it's it's that mental kind of you know meditative state around kind of the rhythm of your steps. It's it just it just works for me. And if if my wife can attest that. If I don't get out there and do it, then I'm a worse human. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. This is an interesting one. Hypothetically, would you would you rather lose all of your old memories or never be able to make new memories? This is a really, really tough one. Um, I would prefer never to be able to make new memories. 
Like the, okay. the the data guy in me would say, hang on, hopefully you've still got more than half of your life to go. So surely don't you want kind of the greater volume of memories? But actually there's people who I don't want to forget um, and who, who I knew in my past. And I'd be poor if I'm not remembering them. Okay, okay. What's something that you are betting on for the future? It could be personally excited about and betting on or professionally excited about and betting on, but what's something you're betting on for the future? I'm betting on... Um, it feels like we're on this precipice at the moment for, you know, around kind of technology for good. So I'm betting on the next generation of kind of entrepreneurs and business people thinking about ways to solve kind of organizational and societal problems with the utilization of technology, not just to make money, not just to kind of have the next kind of tech startup that does amazingly well and, you know, solves a problem about sending emails or whatever it is. Um, but actually solves some really big business problems. And I think we're starting to see green shoots of kind of the collectivism that will allow that to happen. Mm, that's great. Let's say you have to build a marketing team from scratch starting tomorrow. What's the first role you're hiring and why? Oh, it's, that's a good one. Everything starts with marketing in un- really deeply understanding the customer and then being able to understand the business context and bringing those two things together. So someone that's really good on the marketing strategy side, is it like the tactics that fall off that? Sure. Like people can muddle their way through that. It's, but, but if you don't have that bit up front, right, then you can have the best kind of media buyers in the world. They'll fall flat. Mm. What do you make of all these brands, a growing number of brands that are exploring this potential of virtual worlds? Yeah, I think, um, I think that it's important when any new technology comes out to go and explore it and find the use cases for it. And some will be good and some will be absolute rubbish. And and that will only be proven in kind of the fullness of time. Um, And so, you know, there's there's people who get really excited about kind of, you know, exploring new virtual, you know, worlds or kind of whatever the kind of new technology flavor of the month is. Um, I love it. I love that people are exploring it. I love that people are advocates for it. I love that people kind of say, this is going to be the next big thing because you need that as part of the discourse. And then you need people who are going, no, it's not. You're crazy. Like, this is the way that it's going to go. I think the ability to have that discourse, the ability that, you know, to, to have um, humans debate what's going to come next is actually the important part more so than the technology itself. Hmm. If you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Oh, classic. Um, I would love to go back, 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 back to kind of the 60s, 70s, kind of okay. 1960s, 1970s kind of vibe. Okay. Um, that's kind of my, my, you know, my, my dad and mum's era. I just think it seemed like an amazing time, um, for, you know, particularly people in the Western world to, to be in, um, incredible changes from a societal perspective, incredible changes from kind of, um, a way people lived and the way they did things, um, being part of some of that, I think would be absolutely fascinating. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite app on your phone? Well, apart from the memories app, which everyone should download, um, the app that I use every day, look, you know what? I, I was going to try and not say it, but it's it's got to be TikTok at the moment. Like I'm, okay, okay. I'm, I'm a cliche in that. I'm a cliche in that, but it's just, it, it really has, it, it has the entertainment factor for me. There's kind of people I follow that I learn things from. Um, that short form video content just nails it. Um, I fully understand as a marketer that all I'm doing is feeding the dopamine in my brain um, <laughs> and scrolling to the next thing. So, you know, when you, when you sit there at 10 o'clock at night and you're like, I've really got to stop scrolling now. Yeah. Um, it's it'll, it, like it, it gets you. Um, it gets you. But I, I do think that there's, you know, there's real utility in that. I love, I love the TikTok app. 
I'm with you. I think I, I, I confess I've share, I share that one with you. I, I also confess that I've deleted that app at least once on my phone and reinstalled it <laughs> yeah, um, because it's, it's it, it really is unlike any other app that, that where this, this motion of scrolling all of a sudden time disappears and it literally has been an hour, right? It's like, well, wait a second. Where did, where did time go? Yeah. It's a little too good. So yeah, it is a little too good. <laughs> what's a, what's a skill, one skill that you believe everyone should have? The ability to be quiet and empathize. Love that answer. If you could effortlessly pick up a new skill in a moment, what skill would that be? Wow. That's a tough one. If I go past kind of the ability to be quiet and empathize, like I try with that one, um, I think I think this is going to sound like like a really, really strange one. Um, my alter ego in another life would have been a, a, you know, a, a racing car driver. And so you can see the five-year-old you know, little kid in me coming out there. The, the skill set to drive, you know, to drive a car really fast and the opportunity to do that, amazing. Okay. Personally fulfilled. If I won the lottery tomorrow, that'd be my life. Okay. Okay. Last question. What is one thing that you would like to do this year that you've never done before? This is not one experience, but a set of experiences. Um, I'm really personally fulfilled. Um, we talked at the top of the show about having a toddler um, in my life. I'm incredibly excited to stay just at the age where I can start taking him to kind of museums and zoos and exhibitions. And um, I'm just so excited to experience those things in a new way, in a new light with him. Um, I've held off going to different things myself personally, because I'm like, I want to wait. I want to wait. I want to wait until I can take him there and see it through his eyes and, and see the joy and wonder in learning. Love that. I mean, it's the my. All the great achievements for me, nothing compares to being a dad. It's the it's the magnum opus, I think, for us, man. It's the greatest thing ever is to be a father. So I could not agree more. That's great. Lachlan, thank you so much for being here on Marketing Trends. You are an exceptional human being, a really wicked smart marketer. And I love the journey and the path you've had going from big business to small, lean, fast growing new business in a new category. So Lachlan, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Jeremy. Fantastic conversation. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster, and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers 
to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.